Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. What's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Level Up Podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we've got a phenomenal guest with us today. We've got Amanda Todd. She has built a phenomenal business while being a mother of three and among all kinds of other things we have to talk about. She has built uh, four active teams in four states and is on her way to building another few. So we're going to talk about the strategy and the results that she's seen from expansion and what that's done for her business. We're also going to talk a little bit about her core business or core team in Northern California, what she's doing with that, how she's She's broken into the luxury market a little bit, which is something that's very interesting for a lot of team leaders who want to stay active in the business, but want to make sure that they're making uh, the most and best, highest use of their own time. So we're going to bring her on in a second. First of all, Greg Harrelson, fresh up, uh, well, man, the Mike Ferry retreat and traveling and <laughs> flying on private planes. And apparently Greg Harrelson has turned into a rap star when I wasn't looking. Something, something <laughs> is going on. What is up, Greg? Hey, man, just uh, hot off the Mike Ferry Superstar Retreat in Vegas. And uh, on the way home, I did go and uh, have a great time in the Bahamas with uh, with my two sons and a few other fathers and their boys. We did a little, uh, you know, boys outing with a lot of snorkeling, diving, you know, cooking crabs, cooking lobster and all that fun. But I'm in Myrtle Beach right now, back to work and excited to hear about uh, Amanda's past growth and more excited to hear about her future growth. Yeah. Amanda, officially welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, if, if people haven't been kind of familiar hanging out and listening to podcasts the last couple of years, they may not be familiar with you. A lot of people that, that are listening to us probably will and have listened to some of your other stuff that you've done. Uh, so they might know a little bit about your backstory, but just give us kind of the broad strokes, kind of where you're at and what your team looks like right now. Oh, it's been a wild ride. Um, I got into real estate about four years ago. I'd been a stay-at-home mom for nine and a half years, and it was... All of a sudden, now it was time for me to support myself and three kids. I became a single mom, and it was literally jump in and swim or you're going to drown type thing. So that's when I started into the real estate industry was May 2014. And just it started out, like I said, as survival. And then it became a, hey, I, I can do this. I really enjoy this to, okay, I really want to master this to then, okay, now I want to teach other people how to master this as well. So I really feel like it was a progression of just always, you know, wanting to push harder, do better, be better, make sure I was, you know, really reaching every capacity of full potential that I possibly could. So I started out as a solo agent and um, two years later built a team. And then a year and a half after that, started building expansion teams. So for those who are familiar with expansion teams, those are teams that I still run and operate that are just outside of my local hub market center. And um, now I'm working on opening more and more expansion teams and have just learned a lot (laughs) along the way. I can tell you probably the thing that I can tell you the most at are the failures that I've had. (laughs) <laughs> oh, but fun. We're going to dive into those. Um, okay, so give us an idea of what the what the structure is of the, the hub team, so to speak. Definitely. So um, there's myself. I still produce. And then I have a licensed assistant, an operations manager, a full-time transaction manager, and then a co-operations manager as far as my W-2 employees go. 
And then I have agents and, you know, we kind of fluctuate back and forth. I've been working on what kind of the, I don't want to say the magic number is, but, but what a really good solid structure is we have seven agents locally in the Sacramento area. And, and so that I have really felt is a good balance between making sure we have enough to have our open houses filled on weekends and, Still not so much to where it's a lot of management for me. And I really have been really happy with that number that we've had of of seven agents locally. In addition to that, my operations manager helps me run with onboarding and just operations oversight of our expansion teams. And so I still do the physical oversight. I'm still, you know, at our expansion areas as often as I can be. And then we have agents there and local TCs for some, our um, transaction manager in Sacramento does California and Nevada transactions. So for Arizona and Utah, we have um, transaction managers that are local that understand, you know, kind of the, the processes for each of those states. And so it's, it's nice to have kind of that mixture, but like I keep calling it our hub, we have kind of one central hub and that's where really my W2 employees are. And then our spokes out from that are our expansion teams that mostly consist of agents that for now I oversee those myself. Gotcha. Perfect. And then just a quick question on that. How, how did those agents kind of come into your world? Well, it's been very interesting because I have never once recruited. And so every single agent that's been on my on an expansion team of mine has either heard my story and come to me and wanted to be a part of our organization or word of mouth. Um, my very first expansion team, I actually met those agents. They actually got licensed to be on my team. And I said, look, I'm interested in expanding, but bear with me. There's going to be growing pains. I'm going to be learning. You're going to be learning with me as I do this. And, um, it was a fluke. They lived two states away, but her sister's kids go to school with my kids. And she said, Hey, you've always wanted to get into real estate. Amanda's the queen of real estate here. You should talk to her. And again, I'm a big believer that when you set your intention, the right things are going to come to you. And I'd actually already said that that was the first city that I wanted to expand to. And that was where she lived. And they've been amazing. I think they just put their 19th deal in contract in seven months. Nice. That's awesome. Very, very yeah. cool. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's briefly touch on just give give us an idea of some of the observations, some of the failures that you've noticed and then corrected for just over the past couple of years of, of kind of dabbling with expansion. Well, and you'll hear everybody say this, but it, it really is so true. Who you hire is what makes all the difference in the world. The people that you bring into your organization, so especially with expansion, you have to make sure that you bring people in that are going to be very self-motivating that aren't going to need a lot of hand-holding because it's just kind of the nature of the beast. As much as I try to be at my expansion locations, I can't be there as often as I'm at my hub. And so making sure that you have those people that are part of it that that are okay, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but really don't need to be micromanaged. I mean, obviously that's kind of the name of the game in any agent you bring on, but even more so in an expansion area is bringing people on that really don't need a lot of handholding that right. are just really motivated to just jump in and do it. Gotcha. How, how many total Rough. agents, uh, you know, on the teams, 
So like uh, if you could break down, like what's the total agent count, team member agent count so that you have? So we have, for me, it's not a team if there's one. Like I know there's kind of a mindset um, mm -hmm. of other expansion agents in the country and they'll go, I've got, you know, 35 expansion teams. I'm like, how many agents do you have? Are that 42? And I'm like, that's a lot of teams of one. <laughs> yeah, and again, that's, that's one of the things that I've noticed is, is you have to have that cohesive team feel. So um, in Arizona, we're kind of restarting because again, I learned a lot of things. I started out with um, three and I'm bringing on, we, we reset. So Arizona two and um, St. George, Utah, we are up now to five. Um, Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada, we're bringing on, I've got two there right now and, and hopefully bring on a couple more. Actually, sorry, three. I did just bring on a third one. And then, like I said, here in Sacramento, we have seven. So uh, roughly, it's at about 20? Huh? Yeah, that sounds about right. Somewhere that in that range. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And like yeah. I said, you know, it's kind of fluctuating as, as we're learning what's a good fit for us, as agents are learning what's a good fit for them. I don't want to say it's a revolving door because retention is really important to me because mm -hmm. I really do believe in putting a lot of time, investing a lot of time into training the people in our, our group, but it has to be a good fit for everyone. And so to me, if someone isn't happy or if I feel like it's not a good fit, it's better to have that conversation right away than to try to keep feeding something that just isn't going to work out. Yeah. Hmm. So in order to go from now state to state mm -hmm. um, and build these teams, obviously you're scaling something. So for the audience that out is out there thinking, gosh, I really want to either grow a team wherever they are right now in their current market, their local market, or they already have one and they want to uh, expand outside of their market like you've done. What are a few things that they have to have organized in order to scale and build in a different market? Because I, I just, you know, you're, you're scaling your closing department, your transaction coordinator. Yeah. That's one example yeah. that um, I've already heard. What are some other things that you really got to be prepared to scale in order to be successful here? Well, I think one of the important things, and, and this is going to, well, for one, don't wait until your home operation is 100% perfect because I don't think anybody's home operation is ever 100% perfect. And so, yes, there will be growing pains, but if you wait till it's perfect, it's never going to happen. I always say it's better to do something imperfectly than nothing flawlessly. So don't get so hung up on these details that I'm going to say that if you feel like you don't have it perfect, you can't go to the next step. Sometimes you figure out step two even better when you're on step four. So that's, I would say, very first, don't get so hung up on step two that you don't move to step three and step four because you feel like step two isn't perfect yet. That's so as right. far as scalability, make sure you have a really great CRM in place that can handle multiple areas. And we use Follow Up Boss in particular as ours. And Follow Up Boss, we actually have, you know, separate accounts because it's important to have, I mean, the things that people don't think about when you're expanding to another area, you need to have local phone numbers for that area. Nobody's going to pick up the phone if it's an internet lead. Nobody's going to pick up the phone if you're calling from two states away because most people have iPhones now and it says, you know, what city you're calling from. So make sure that when you're scaling, you have technology in place that you can have local resources as well. Mm -hmm. um, so a great CRM. 
make sure, and I have found it to be very important, especially when you're opening up expansion areas with agents that are newer to the business, make sure that you can scale your lead generating platforms to that local area as well. Diversify your lead generation platforms because you know, Facebook leads might work really, really well in one area where portal leads like Zillow or Realtor.com work really well in another area. So make sure that you are not only allocating the, the technology resources that can be local in that area, make sure to allocate money too. Mm -hmm. It's expensive. You need to plan ahead for at least six months in resources for that team to be ready to open in that area because there is there is a learning curve. There is a startup time where you have to make sure that, I mean, we all know that real estate is not a ready now business. The business is, you know, 60, 90, 120 days out. So you need to make sure that you have the resources in place to sustain that new team or to sustain your expansion in your local area so that you're not getting really the profitability number for probably four to six months out. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that kind of helps answer that question. But I would say the biggest thing is don't wait until, like I said, step two is perfect to move to step three and then step four. Because when you're on step four, you might be able to look back at step two and go, oh, my gosh. Like we figured it out as we're learning through this. Yeah. You, you had mentioned you, you, you had mentioned uh, like you haven't really had to recruit and mm -hmm. I, and I love that. So that tells me, or I make the assumption that there is something perceived about working with you that is greater than just being a solo agent within your, the, the brokerage. Okay. So what would you say is that what are they perceiving? What is your value? And, and I asked that question for the purpose of so many people don't understand what their value is. And I think they need to have clarity on their value and what's their identity. Who are they for their team? If people are attracted to you, then it's clear people are seeing value. What would you say your value is and what are some values that, uh, that a team leader must possess in order to pull this off successfully? I think probably the, one of the very biggest things is that if you look at the demographic of real estate agents, most of them are women. And I've mm -hmm. built this business not with any sort of a business background. I did not walk into mom and dad's real estate business. And, and this is not to slight anybody who has those things. I came at this from being a stay-at-home mom for nine and a half years. I lived in the area that I live for 18 months. So it's not like I walked in with this huge sphere of influence. So I think one of the reasons that people have been attracted to working with me is because I was where they were at one time. And I built all of this while juggling being a single mom with three kids. And so mm. it's real. And I tell people my story and the, the numbers of what I've done, not out of ego in any way, shape or form. I tell them to say, look, I've climbed this mountain and I can show you how to do it. And if I can do it, you can do it too. And so for people to see that I'm real, you know, it, some people seem so untouchable. Some people's success seems so unattainable. I started this out as a, basically a stay at home mom while, and, and have built this all while 
being on my kids' field trips while picking my kids up from school every day. And I have honestly a passion for especially helping women be able to do that same thing and teaching them how to basically do it all, to juggle it all. Because the the work-life balance is, I feel like, doesn't exist. It's teaching people where to give and where to take between the business and your family and where to say, here's my priority, where to be 100% at what time. And I feel like that's kind of been the difference in me versus a lot of other people that I didn't walk into this as an MBA, you know, with an MBA and 20 years of experience in the business world. I walked into this as a mom and built it to where it's at now. Mm-hmm. That's great. I hope so that kind of answers that yeah, question for you. No, it, it, well, you know, to, uh, I can share with you what I'm hearing. What, what I'm hearing is that one thing that people could be attracted to is that you're an, you're being an example of what it's like to actually have a life and, and build a wonderful career around it. Yes. Yes. And where most people are feeling the pressure of having a career and trying to fit in their family, their yes. life. Right. Yes. So you're probably an inspiration for a lot of people who are struggling, trying to say, you know, am I going to ever be a top producer? What's the sacrifices I have to make in order to earn this income where you're kind of being an example of saying, hey, let's 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 get things straight at home and with our families and design our life. And then we'll figure out how to be a top producer around that. So I, I could see that that would be an attraction. Yeah, definitely. I'm a really big fan of Darren Hardy. And he talks about how people with compressed time actually accomplish the most. And so, Mm. you know, I give myself very finite amounts of time to accomplish tasks. And it's pretty amazing what you can get done when you only have a small amount of time. He basically says, whatever task you have is going to fill the amount of time that you give it. So if you give yourself something 15 minutes versus four hours, I can get a lot done in 15 minutes because I know I have to. And so it's also a matter of being 100% and being completely engaged and focused in whatever it is that you're working on at that time. Yeah, and, that, and that's a that's a drive thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like the idea that you can get... Yeah, because there's there's a lot of people out there that look at the same limitation and they don't see opportunity. They see that is the barrier, that is the obstacle. And I think the difference with you is you're looking at it going, uh, yeah, but I have the drive to get there. So I'm going to figure out how to get more done in less time. I'm not going to use the fact that I have less time as an excuse to then not get stuff accomplished. Because you're right. I mean, things expand to fill the time that they allow. And uh, I think that's the thing that pulls you through that and forces you to figure out how to compress the time is the drive to say, no, I'm, I'm going to still go after it, which is which is very interesting. I think that's what people are seeing and they want to emulate that. They want to be a part of that culture. And I think that there are so many people that are capable of that. They just don't know where to begin. And I feel like that's one of the things that I offer in my organization is I say, look, I'm going to tell you where to begin. I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to show you because I've done it and I know that you're capable of it too, because I'm not the only driven person out there in the world. I just feel like so many people feel like it's a really daunting task of where do I begin? So I feel like that's one of the big things that I can show them. Here's step one. Let me show you, let me plug you into our systems and show you where to begin. And then it's just having those right people in our organization that are that 
motivated and driven that want it badly enough for whatever reason. I feel like the why theory is become almost so cliche. I hate saying that. Right. But people that truly have that purpose behind it, that the do whatever it takes type type principle. So, and there are amazing people out there that are like that. Yeah, there absolutely are. Um, I'm curious just on, you mentioned kind of the, there's some of the differences to be prepared for as a leader in going into new markets. You mentioned just on the lead generation side of things and the, and the tech side of things. But what are, what are the commonalities when, when someone plugs into your team from say a Utah or an Arizona where the lead generation systems might be a little bit different? What are, what are the things that are consistent across your entire organization? Consistency is just in how we follow up with leads, not only instantly, but in continuous follow-up afterwards. Uh, commonality is I'm really big on focusing on your goals. I'm really big on focusing on having a level 10 life in five areas of your life to where it's you know professionally, spiritually, personally, physically, and, and I'm drawing a blank financially on the fifth area. And so I would say the commonality is, again, just being super focused where you should be and when you should be. So the commonalities in the area, I mean, right now is scalability. You know, I look at agents that I know very well who have built their businesses on referrals. That's amazing. And that's great. And that's a very low cost way of doing business. But at the same time, that's not super scalable four states away. Mm -hmm. So where the future of scaling a real estate business is, is in truly being online. Mm -hmm. And so again, where the commonalities are, our speed to lead. You have to be the first person to contact that lead. Our continuous follow-up. You know, one of the things I talk about is people getting this kind of turtle mentality that when they click on a, you know, realtor.com, get more information, they're just being bombarded with agents. They might not answer their phone right away. But it's the person who continues to follow up with them and is two weeks later. And like I say, it's kind of like a turtle when they're starting to come back out of their shell, when their phone isn't ringing 89 times a day, when you're the person who has continued to follow up with them. And again, not in a used car salesman type of way, but just in that very patiently persistent style, when they kind of start coming back out of their shell again, that's also another opportunity for that conversion. It's the immediate and it's basically the two weeks later as well. Perfect. That's awesome. All right. So, uh, Greg, I know you probably got some questions. We can also shift gears if we want to to more of like the long term strategy of, of future expansion. But, uh, Greg, where would you like to take us? You know, that's a that's a, a good place to probably go at this moment. I think, again, maybe maybe diving a little bit deeper on what are some of the, the processes that, or strategies that you have to go to to actually um, uh generate leads for a new market? Is it just go to Zillow and go to Facebook? Are there some other strategies that are out there? Because I see so many expansion agents or agents that are expanding beyond um, their local market where they get hung up. Is there great leaders? They've got great CRMs. They've got transactions management handled. It's easy to handle from the hub, but they mm-hmm. have no leads. Yeah. And a lot of times the people are coming to them as for for one of the benefits being leads, maybe that's not a benefit in your 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 model. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I see that as a weakness. So those people that are suffering um, uh, with that weakness, what what would you say to them? How do they go about generating leads in an, a, a market that they actually are not physically in? Well, I think there's a couple of things to it. There, one, 
your only value add cannot be leads because every team out there, and there's so many teams out there that provide leads. So that might be an attractive piece of what attracts them, but the value add has to come in and be that mentoring piece, that, that camaraderie as well of when you're integrating the teams and, and people are able to throw out, Hey, because let's be real. Generally speaking, the fires that happen in a transaction are not unique. Somebody has been through that same situation before. So having the opportunity of that community of being able to throw a question out and go, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with this. Has anybody ever dealt with this? Here's how I'm handling it. Does anybody have a better idea for me? So having that really community approach so that people don't feel alone and even just having, again, that's why I don't, I don't like calling an expansion team a team if it's an agent of one. Because what happens when they go on vacation? You know, excuse me, there needs to be somebody that has their back that can show property for them or, you know, something like that. So that's why I feel like that community approach is super important. But going back to your question about leads, we do have a very specific approach that we take when we open a new area. We have in place, you know, when we're ready to start, we have the portal leads. We have, um, I use a, a system that's called YLOPO. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Fabulous, fabulous program. We have a YLOPO platform in each area. We do our own Facebook leads. We also work, and this is a, a, a part that I failed to mention, that it's a very integral part. We have affiliate partnerships in place immediately when we open a new area. And when I say affiliate partnerships, I'm talking title reps and lenders that are very integral because when I'm going into a new area, they know agents there. They know the good agents there way better than I do. And so I lean very heavily on really fostering those relationships with our affiliates. And honestly, it's great opportunities for them. I will sit down. I mean, I'll never forget when I was opening our team in Phoenix, I sat in a boardroom at Fidelity National Title and I had, I was interviewing brokers because my teams are not even broker specific. I mean, they're, it's, it's individual per state where I have my different teams. And I sat and every 30 minutes I interviewed brokers and Fidelity lined that all up for me because it's an opportunity for them to say, Hey, you know, we've got a hundred million dollar a year producer in here that is opening expansion team. Would you like an opportunity to meet with her? So it's great for their business that they can reach out to some of their top partner agents. It's great for me because they know people and can introduce me to people that I would have never known to meet. And it's just built some amazing relationships. So not just the leads, but foster really great affiliate relationships in each of those areas as well. Because then it also allows them to be an extension of me when I'm not there. That they're having conversations with agents on my team that they can call me and say, hey, I think this agent's really struggling with this. You might want to give them a call. That's amazing. And it allows me to still have that touch and that contact in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have been able to because it's just one more person that's having that community approach with me. So I basically, I joke around that I say, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, mm -hmm. see what's having the best conversion in those areas. So track everything, know where your leads are coming from, know what kinds of leads are converting the best. See, you know, look at where we're having this many appointments set, but only this many contracts written. Okay, where's the disconnect? Is there a training opportunity there 
so that when you're meeting with people, but you're not getting contracts out of it. Okay, maybe we need to talk about, you know, some important conversations to have with people that we can have a higher conversion rate from appointment to contract. You know, so make sure you're tracking those things and seeing what exactly works. I feel like it's the things that people talk about over and over again, but so few people actually implement. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Another awesome. reason why, for make sure you hear, she says, you know, sometimes you got to throw things up against the wall and see what sticks. Well, she addressed that earlier when she says, be prepared. It could take six months to figure all that out. But if you'll be committed for that six months, you will figure it out, and then you're going to have a clear path. Strategy also, will just appear. You also get through the seasonal swings in six months as well. Because let's be real, as much as we work hard to keep our pipeline full, this is still a cyclical business. We do have our higher peak season of production and we do have our lower peak season of production. So if you open an expansion team in November and in January you're ready to give up, well, you haven't really given it the opportunity that it needed to get through a more productive season as well. Yeah, that's good. A really good point. So I was going to ask kind of how you, because you mentioned you've essentially, uh, you know, recruited by, I would say, attraction mm -hmm. and word of mouth and referrals and stuff like that. But it also sounds like you've got the flip side of the expansion strategy, which is, you know, where you want to go and you and strategically target those areas. And then you start by reaching out to the affiliates first and then building that word of mouth that eventually attracts the agents to you. So it's not just that you're sitting back and people are tracking you down and asking you, Justin, that's the only way you've grown. You're also going out and strategically expanding. So how are you selecting the markets that you want to get into? What's the criteria for you? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, I actually just got married six months ago, and my husband and I don't even live in the same state. So that was actually the first deciding factor of I wanted to build teams close to him because I didn't want him to always have to come to my house. I Bless you. Okay. I wanted to be able to um, be close to him and you know, I'm just a busybody. If I'm there, I wanted to be working as well. Plus, they're really productive markets. I mean, he lives in the Las Vegas area. St. George, Utah is booming. Mm -hmm. I also economically didn't want all of my eggs in the California basket. And I'm sure, Matt, you can, you can agree with this. There's a lot of people that are leaving the state of California. Yeah. And so I wanted to be ahead of that, too, so that all of my eggs were not in one economy's basket. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people that are moving to the tax-free or lower-income tax states like Nevada, Arizona, mm -hmm. Utah. I wanted to be ahead of that. I want to be able to be, you know, diversifying into different markets because I feel like in a lot of ways, California kind of leads the market for the country. So I wanted to get in on these other markets that were a few mm -hmm. years behind this big boom that's happened in California. And... It, you know, if there is somewhat of a downturn or somewhat of a leveling off, I want to still be in the areas that are growing that haven't hit that leveling off period as well. So it's kind of a multifaceted approach. Um, there are, you know, people who have just been attracted to me that I'll look at there and go, sure, why not? Let's, you know, let's go for it. I mean, because yeah. let's face it, there always will be people buying and selling houses. And mm -hmm. if you have something that's well oiled, that's, you know, got a really solid system behind it and you have the right people in place, I really feel like you can do well in any market. So to answer your question of where I've chosen, they've either kind of chosen me or I've been very intentional and looked at areas that were doing well or areas that I physically 
want to have a market presence in as well because they're areas that I want to be doing business in. I've fallen in love with St. George, Utah. I plan to retire there one day. I love yeah. it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and Greg, kind of the same question for you because you're expanding, albeit in different ways, but you're mm-hmm. you're taking over your corner of the world. Um, so what's what's a couple of the things that you look for in a market that you're thinking of getting into, regardless of this, the brokerage or the office situation, just to decide whether you even want to be in a market area? Uh, well, I probably focus more on people than I focus on market. You know, I yeah. think that we can we can make our market if we have the right people. Now, that mm-hmm. being said... You know, um, it's got to have a market that I believe we can do hundreds and hundreds of transactions in or a thousand transactions in. So I want a bigger yeah. market, not a very small niche market where maybe I could add 50 deals here and things like that. I don't focus on that. Um, mm-hmm. I focus on a little bit more metropolitan areas. But I, I tell you what, what gets me excited about expansion is when I find somebody who I can tell is just a great leader. And that's going to, um, maybe there'll be some congruencies between how I think and that person thinks, but they've got to be able to lead and inspire and develop others. That, that to me is what's critical. If I find that person, then the market doesn't really matter to me. Hmm. I agree with you. And and I think too, in selecting it, you can either select expansion for a who, or a where. So, you know, it's a market that's doing really well that you want to get your foot in the door. Or like Greg was saying, a who. If it's a decent market, but you have an amazing person there, run with it. What if you have someone on your team that's moving to a different city and they're an amazing person and you don't want that person out of your organization? Then figure out how to backfill around them and follow them. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So before we, uh, I think we've got uh, a couple of comments that I want to bring to you guys and get your, get your feedback on. But before we do that, Amanda, how do people reach out? And especially uh, for the markets that you guys are in, how do they send referrals your way? Honestly, shoot me a text. I'm still very hands-on. And I don't know if you have, you know, contact information on there. Probably shooting me a text is the very best way. I'm terrible at monitoring my Facebook messages because again, I'm super, I did a, I did a seven day social media fast with my daughter, my 13 year old. And it was the most refreshing thing in the world. We still do a lot of business on Facebook and Instagram. And so that's what my team runs for me. So social media is not always the best way to reach out. Shoot me a text. Honestly, I respond to texts very quickly. Um, send me an email. My email is Amanda at amandatoddgroup.com. Super simple. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel like there's a balance and, and Greg, I'm sure you can speak to this of being hands on enough that you are still approachable and, and reachable, but not where you're into the minutiae. I can't stand micromanaging. So I feel like there's a balance there that I still like to be very approachable, very reachable, but I'm not going to micromanage anybody. And so I I love just kind of finding the balance in between there. Very cool. And so we've got uh, a bunch of people have been watching kind of throughout uh, diving in and out. And uh, one of the comments that we had was from uh, Zach Hammer. Uh, says, great idea. Go to diversified markets that follow trends after the primary market that you're used to, which yep. essentially gives you premonition, which is a great point, right? Especially yeah. if you're in like a forward 
you know, if you're in one of the markets like we are in California, where it tends to lead the country anyway. So, uh, so I love that comment. And then my final question, Amanda, for you, and then Greg, if you've got anything else you want to throw in at the very end, I'd love to hear it. Um, but Amanda, you mentioned just kind of, you know, the fact that you can move on to step three and four, and then you can actually find things that you could do better in step two. And that's okay. That's the way it should be. Uh, is there anything that you're looking to improve about your core market based on some of the things that you've learned from expansion? What are you going back and doing in your, your actual core business? I think some of the biggest things is just streamlining for profitability. I mean, mm -hmm. it is so is easy to make $2 million a year in the business, but how much of that are you keeping? So yeah. as we just are learning little tweaks here and there that can make us more profitable in any of our teams, that I feel like needs to be so many more people's focus because especially as real estate agents, we see all these shiny objects and all these, you know, platforms that are promising to make you more money, but you're spending so much money on it anyways that mm -hmm. don't get too distracted with the shiny objects really figure out, take the time. And I'm a high D like it takes a lot to make me stop and slow down to look at kind of the minutia, but do take the time to be very concentrated on that and make sure that what you're doing, what you're spending money on is getting the return for you so that you're keeping that money that you're working really hard to earn. That's awesome. Agreed. Yeah, I was just talking to uh, a gal here a couple of weeks ago about that topic. She used to run one of the top offices here in San Diego, uh, and she does still does a little bit of consulting work on the side with teams that are in that exact situation because that, that's the that's the pain that causes her phone to ring is the, uh, oh, my God, I made $2 million last year, and I took home the same amount that I did when I was producing. <laughs> Why yes. the hell am I doing this? Please help me. Yeah. So, yeah, we actually need to get her on the show because um, she, she is phenomenal. She's in operations and and uh, and and profitability rock star because yeah that's that that is the rub right especially with expansion which is all yeah. i'm always fascinated by that part of it and there's a lot of numbers that people will share and there's a lot of numbers that people will not share most yes. of them are bottom line numbers for that yes. exact reason yes. so anyway, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation we yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll do a solo episode on that or something <laughs> all right so that's awesome greg how do people reach out and connect with you uh it's easy i make it easy just uh facebook message me and uh, through the messenger app and um, I, I check that quite uh, often, and so I will reply to that. That's right. Unlike text, which Greg summarily ignores, make sure you reach out through Facebook Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And then for the podcast, make sure to go to either iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite platform is to listen to podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure to leave us a rating and a review. Call out people like Amanda if you saw her episode and really enjoyed it. Make sure to call her out in the review and publicly thank her for her time and for bringing her her content. Make sure to connect with her. Keep her in mind for referrals in any of those areas that she mentioned, whether it's Sacramento, Las Vegas, St. George, Utah, uh, and apparently, you know, soon, soon to come to a city near you. So, Amanda, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and, and your knowledge and wisdom, things that you've learned. And uh, we're super pumped for this episode. It was exactly what I had in mind. Uh, and I know everybody got a ton of value out of it. So we really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, All thank right. you so much. You guys, everybody that's watching live, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one next week.